0: Welcome to The Dirt. This is your host, Drew Retzel. I've got online uh, Stephen Edinger of the BMC Mountain Bike Race Team and Howard Grotz of the Specialized Race Team. Uh, these guys are both really talented riders. Um, you know, both in, live in the U.S. and have been racing. Uh, Stephen actually is a U, uh, former U23 national champion and got on the BMC race team two years ago. Uh, he was also named the top U.S. Uh, what was the exact... Uh, uh, athlete your name again? Athlete, athlete of the Year in 2000, 2011, correct? Correct. Is that it? is that correct? And uh, since then he's been really you know picking things up. Uh, and then uh, here come <laughs> and just recently Howard Graz actually uh, came along and he won the Pro XCT this past uh, two weekends ago, or actually it was three weekends ago in M- Missoula, Montana. Uh, he was actually battling it off with Steven and that's one of the things we're gonna talk about today. Um and along with that, Howard's had uh top seventh or seventh place at Novo Mesto. is that how you pronounce it? I always forget sure um, how to pronounce I, that. Is that oh, right, Howard?
1: Yeah. Novo Mesto.
0: I don't <laughs> it might be American. Novo Mesto. Okay. And then uh and then fifth place over at uh the the, the race in um Wyndham last year. Which is also a World Cup race. So he's had some really good races too. And I'm guessing you're going for now. You're U23 this next year, right, Howard? At, at nationals. Yeah. Okay. That's my second so I'm guessing you. So
2: that's
0: a big okay. Goal. And Stephen, you're Stephen. You're racing uh, for nationals this year. You'll be racing with all the pros too, right?
2: Correct. Yeah, it's uh, my second year league.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. And and then you're also out at Marathon Nationals right now, getting ready for that that race too, right? How's How's everything out there?
2: Yeah. Sure. <laughs>
0: How hot is hot when you say hot? I, I, I actually was planning to go out there. We got sick last week, so bailed out on it. Um, How are things looking for that? For it,
2: uh, I think they're calling for it to be about ninety. Um, I think we start pretty early yeah. though on Saturday, so hopefully, hopefully we don't have to race in the heat of the day. Keep it under cool. four well, hours or something like
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get, we'll get back to in a little bit. Just a brief introduction of what we're going to do this, do today. Uh, you want to talk a little, I'm going to talk to Stephen and, and Howard a little bit about first how they got into racing uh, and riding mountain bikes. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit more about the Missoula-Montana uh, race, which was actually brought to, uh, to the Internet live via Hammer Nutrition. They actually did a live broadcast, so I was watching the whole race and have some questions myself. Uh, you know, if you do have any questions throughout the show, you can call in at 646 595 Four one one three, and uh, you just asked to to get on the show, and we'll get you on and, and get you talking to one of these guys. Uh, after talking about Missoula, we're going to talk a little bit about where USA mountain bike racing might be headed, and possibly some some ideas behind uh, these two guys in terms of you know what what we might want to do to you know, make things better here, or where they think it should be going. And um, not only that, but their experiences over in Europe, because they've been both overseas, I just say, all over all over the world racing. Uh, after that, we'll talk a little bit about nationals. Both are headed to the cross-country nationals. And Stephen, as, as we were talking earlier, is at marathon nationals right now. And then to sum things up, we'll talk probably a little bit about training if we get some time. So thanks again for coming on, guys. It's uh, great having you. Um, so let's, uh, let's start with you, Stephen. So what um? I mean, how long you've been racing for, and you know what got you into racing, and you know where are you from? Just give us a little brief introduction about you know your riding and and how you got into it, and you know where have things have gone in the last few years.
2: So uh, I, I grew up in Eastern Washington, um, little town called Kashmir outside of Wenatchee, which is also a little town, but not quite as little. Um, and most of the most of my introduction to mountain biking was riding with my dad did a little bit um, and also a couple of friends who did some riding um, probably jumped into my first race when I was I don't know 11 or 12 maybe 10 pretty young but I mean we were just doing some you know little 1k loops or something like that in Shimano kids races uh, there wasn't really much road racing going on in eastern Washington at that point. Um, And so I never really got into that side of it. But there was a lot of mountain biking, mountain bike racing going on uh, nearby. So I kind of picked picked it up and um, each year did a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, And then kind of towards the end of my junior years, 17, 18 years old, I Started doing a little bit more stuff nationally, and ended up making it over to World Championships in Fort William, Scotland. My last year as a junior, had a horrible race. I think uh, I think the Americans brought in like six out of the last eight positions or something like that. Um, and uh, I was I was part of that. But um, from there, I got into I went to school uh, in Bozeman at Montana State um, with the intention of Nordic skiing for the Bobcats, um, but simultaneously got my pro mountain biking license and um, decided after not making the cut for the Nordic team um, to pursue that route a little bit more uh, than I had in the past. And it kind of has just taken off from there. A couple of years later, I was over in Europe with the national team um, on the podium at U23 national championships. And then um, my biggest step was 2011, uh, moved up to the BMC development team that had started and took, things went really well racing over in Europe. That season I was, multiple top five finishes in the world cup um eighth overall and uh won the u23 nationals and then the bmc racing team uh which is a separate entity of the bmc devo team asked me to race for them and uh so last season i moved over to europe and so the season racing in europe and uh here we are now
0: so, so talk to me. You, you, you're named in 2011, you know, athlete of the year for U.S. and obviously had a you know tremendous season that year. What, um, anything specifically you you felt contributed to that, um, you know, in comparison to previous years? I mean, you made a, a really big jump that year. It seemed like, um, uh, you know, maybe not, but it, it seemed like from my point of view, uh, you know, looking into it and you know, racing against you, and I think USA Cycling noticed it too, giving you the athlete of the year. So what? Um, any anything specific you felt you did differently, or or did you? It was a combination of things, or or what was?
2: Um, what do you I think? think more than anything, it was hard work paying off. Um, I think that three or four years of really kind of putting my nose to the grindstone finally came things finally came together. Um, and then also having the support of a professional team structure, uh, having, a, having a mechanic, a soinier, and, you know, not having to worry about how I was getting to races and who was paying for that, uh, all those minor details that kind of add up and accumulate um, into I was able to, you know, race more or less professionally that season and, um, focus on my training, focus on my recovery, and um take all the little stressors out of the picture that uh really really do add up and and affect the way that you're able to race so I, having all that out of the picture i was I was able to capitalize on the work that i've done previous years
0: nice nice, well good well, thanks for that intro uh yeah let's you know howard let's get over to you now, so you know i I actually met you i think Back when you were you must have been you know fifteen, I think when I first met you in, in Durango when I was living there, uh, so obviously uh, well, I believe at least you grew up racing in Durango. Is, is that right? I mean what what got you into racing? You raced for the Devo team for a little while. I know that you know now obviously you're racing for specialized. so what um you know what led into all that? How long you've been racing for, and you know what's what's the basics?
1: Uh, yeah, I was uh, born in Durango, and so that definitely was a pretty big factor in getting on the mountain bike. Um, I think my first races were in the Four Corners Cup that we had here, and that was probably, I don't know, as young as, like, eight years old or something, just on the, the trails around, uh, Durango and the Four Corners, and then in high school, I joined the Durango Devo program, and that was kind of at, uh, Chad Cheney helped get me on that, and, then from there, we just went to a bunch of the Mountain States Cup races and some of the national races. And, um, yeah, just progressed from there and got, like, a few junior national titles. And then was on there the Durango Devo Sweet Elite Team, and that's when I kind of took it another step and, uh, you know, got, I think, uh, like yeah that was another national title, and then um at the missoula pro x c t um as a cat one, I won that one um, and then with just those results, I got a call from uh Ned and he was looking to get me on specialized and so yeah, we got that all sorted out and um then I joined specialized last year and I uh, had a couple pretty good results, and then just kind of kept the ball rolling from there into this year.
0: And, and obviously, you know, this year you've you just got to you just got to win at Missoula, you know, Missoula Pro XET against you know. I think you're battling, you know, obviously you're battling off with Steven You also had Todd Wells there, Jeremiah Bishop, and I think it was Kabush who you're battling off towards the end. So, you know, I, you know, nice job there. I mean, what, what do you think? You, I'm going to get a little more detail on this in a little bit while in a little while, but. You know, I, I was watching that race live, and you really want to get a you know, some feedback from you. So when I was watching, it seemed like, and uh, the commentators were commenting on too. It you, you were with those four guys pretty consistently. There's four of you guys battling off, uh, you know, on and off. Stephen was up there, and it seemed like, um, you know, you'd get pitched off the back, just not a lot, but just a tad bit on the descents, or somewhere up there. You know, it's a little bit in there that we couldn't see on the video, and then every time we hit the climbs, you you catch up. Um, you know, being at looking at your stats a little more. You're only five seven 118 pounds, and I know you've always been able to climb. Is that um, you know, was that something that you were doing purposely to conserve energy, and then anticipating catching up with these guys on the climbs, or or was it um, you know, were they descending better than you, or was it just you know, what was going on that we couldn't see uh, in the video?
1: Yeah, it was it was that very last descent. I, I think I stuck with them pretty much through the drop, and then you come up one last rise, and then a final descent. And for some reason, they would always get 10 seconds there. And if if I could have, I definitely would have uh, tried to stick up with them. But luckily, uh, I was climbing really well that day. And, um, yeah, that just made all the difference. And uh, since it was such a climbing course, um, I was able to, you know, finally get
0: away at the end. Were you you pretty much... um you know, at your limits every time up that climb to catch back up with those guys? Or were you really, um, you know, just keep an eye on them and, and pacing yourself to catch up to them? Because it looked like, you know, at last lap, you still looked like you had, you know, plenty left. I should say plenty left. You had enough to, you know, take the win, obviously, and get a, a good gap at the end. So what, um, you know, what was your strategy going through your head when you, you know, you got gaps, you know, pretty consistently on those on those downhills uh, on that one section, and then you'd catch up and and, you know, kind of just climb your way up. Back up, and then last lap you climbed your way up, and then made a move and, and got a good gap. What um you know were you at your limit or what, what was going on?
1: Um, no, I I don't know. I I was kind of I guess really like perfectly rested for that race, um, and so I was like maybe just under the limit, and that's that was enough to have that extra energy at the very end. Um, so it's nice when you're out there and being able to think a little bit and plan it out a little bit more rather than just being on the edge the entire time. Um, But those races don't happen all the time, so it's just nice to have a few of them and take advantage of it when you can.
0: Nice. So, And and you took that, I think all of you guys were taking the A-Line, if I remember right, watching it. Uh, You took it every time, right? How was that? Um, Yeah, it
1: it wasn't too bad. Last year I did it on the full suspension, and then this year I had the hardtail. But really both of them were uh fine for the drop kind of just about i don't know committing and then not being too stiff when you land i think i saw a few crashes and people would land um the jump pretty much perfectly but then it seemed like maybe they were too tense and then it would be in a part right after that that they would make a mistake and then go over so i just about so.
0: being loose you're talking about that berm, because I remember the first time I ever took it was a, uh, the first year they had it, I was like, I'm just going to go do this, and uh, like you said, it wasn't necessarily the landing or the drop that normally messed you up, and I know I had a lot of speed coming into that berm, Is that and that was past the video, so we couldn't even see that. Is that the spot you're talking about, where you catch a lot of speed on that berm, pretty bad um, crashes?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. I think there was a video of Teal, Stetson Lee, and I don't know exactly what happened, but somehow she hit one of the the padded trees and just kind of like bounced around a little bit. So I don't know if she got offline going off the jump or what, but um, yeah, it's definitely fun to have kind of a unique feature like that on a course.
0: Yeah. No, I think that was awesome. You know, I had people on Facebook ask me while I was going on live, like, is that, it doesn't look that bad because they had an angle of the camera where it was above it and it just really didn't look like that big of a drop. And I told them it's, you know, it's a good drop. It's not, it's doable but it's it, you catch a ton of speed afterwards and it, it takes a lot of um you know, a little bit of cojones i guess is the best way to put it to first go over yeah. it once you get over it it's a nice little adrenaline rush and you have all these guys you can not see too much in the video but you have a ton of people normally they're cheering on uh you can know them. i remember when i'm racing there you have all these bells and everything going on and um, you know, it's really cool so i hope hope they continue that um, you know, let's get let's get over to steven now steven what is um you know so you know we're talking about missoula pro xct obviously you're you were up there you know competing with those guys consistently um you don't even look like you were. uh i think it was on lap three or four i think you were towards the front uh and and looked really strong i actually thought you might get a gap on those guys you know, talk to me a little bit about what happened and you know how you were feeling and um you know what went through your head throughout the race
2: yeah, I mean it was we had a after I think pretty much after the first climb we had a pretty good group. It was Howie and myself, Jeff and Todd. And uh I don't think anybody like like Howard said, nobody was really on the rivet. Um we were just motoring away and um it was a long climb so and I think that because we had a group everybody was trying to pace themselves pretty well and kinda of hold their cards tight. Um I think Jeff and I spent a little bit more time at the front, um, on the de- at, at least on the initial part of the climb because we were getting caps on Todd and Howard on the descent, and um, kind of hoping to you know make them work work for it coming back a little bit. Um, but uh, Howard just kind of sat, Howard and Todd were able to just, you know kind of sit back there and um, I guess came out on lap three or something like, or popped off on lap three or four. I don't remember exactly which one it was, uh, with a mechanical, but um, it was, everybody was holding their cards pretty tight, and uh, lap, I guess, towards the top of the climb, lap five, um, Howard got a little gap, went around Jeff and I near the top of the climb and, and got a little bit of a gap, um, and I kind of decided that um, since we were getting you know 10 or 15 seconds every time going downhill but I wasn't going to burn a match quite yet to jump on his wheel going into the descent um and I just uh I miscalculated him a little bit I didn't uh didn't expect him to be able to ride away from us like that and um I thought that at the bottom of the descent we would have kind of come back together as a group and then things would have been decided on the climb the last lap um But uh, once once Howard got away, um, I didn't really have the gas to stay with Jeff as he came around me going into the lap five descent. And then they both pulled maybe 15 seconds out on me going into the final climb. Um, And I could just kind of sense that that was going to be extended a little bit. Um, On that last climb, I wasn't in a place where I was going to be able to reel them back Maybe I could have hung with them, but I um, wasn't going to bring them back, that was for sure. So I just uh, tried to bring it home, bring it home safely for third at the end of that thing.
0: So what goes, you know, when you're sitting in a position like that where, you know, you're with the top guys and, you know, you, you know you're doing well, uh, but obviously you're going for the win. What, what goes through your head when you're in a position like that where it really starts to hurt and you know, you're trying to grab everything you have left? You know, is there anything you do specifically that gets you... Into your rhythm, uh, or get you through the rest of the race.
2: Uh, I don't know that there's anything specific that I do. Um, I mean, I just try to calculate, you know, whether or not I'm going to be able to come back to that group. Um, I, you know, I for sure gave it, gave it as much as I had uh, at the bottom of, I guess, lap five trying to trying to get back on them but when I realized that you know they weren't gonna be coming back quite as easily as I had hoped that um, at that point it was just time to kind of do damage control and, and make sure that nobody was gonna come back to me so you know riding as hard as you can but without blowing up just in case something does happen you know trying to keep them as close as possible without without uh, blowing yourself up. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so what, um, you know, Stephen, which bike were you racing
2: at this race? Because obviously,
0: you know, I, I imagine some people's head, people listening in are thinking, you know, you've got this, it's like a five, I think it's about a five-foot drop, five or six foot, something like that, with a small gap in between. And, you know, most people I don't think realize that, uh, you know, a lot of the pros, you know, such as you guys are racing these hardtails with super lightweight, you know, as lightweight as you can make them uh, to get through the course. And, and then you're taking this big drop throughout it. Uh, and it's holding up. So, what you know, what 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 bike did you go with, and why did you choose the the bike that you had for this course? Um, I went,
2: I went with our team elite hardtail, um, carbon fiber hardtail 29er, um, and I chose that because that climb is just so big. I think you know, ten minutes of the race, ten minutes of the lap are spent going uphill on. Really smooth trails and roads, um, so you save, you know, that much more energy on a on a hardtail bike going up that kind of stuff. Um, and you know that the majority of the descent was really pretty smooth. There wasn't anything that was very technical. There wasn't anything that was really rough. Um, you know that course is pretty pretty buffed out for the most part. You've got the drop, obviously, but um, you know, I mean. If you hit that drop smoothly, you don't even realize that your wheels are off the ground. So, um, you know, it's got a really nice transition to it. So I I definitely chose the bike that was going to help me get up the hill the fastest. And uh, because that was where the race was going to be won or lost, I thought. And it was.
0: Yeah so how you know, you're talking about that drop a little more so if, if people anyone listening in if you want to see the drop that i've got they've got a video i think from the live recording on bellow news go to com, check out the mountain bike tab and and you know glance over for the hammer live feed hammer nutrition missoula live feed and there should be a a video which i'm not going to play right now since we're on uh on the show but you can go through that it says the a line and you'll see the drop off uh you know it's a, it's a good you know fun fun drop off steven makes it sound like it's pretty easy i don't I think the average person, if you got there, would think it's easy. Um, but once you get a little guts and you, and you take it, it, it is a pretty smooth, smooth ride as long as you don't crash. As Howard mentioned, um, can happen to some people uh, afterwards. So
2: yeah, cool. I, I think uh, I think that that was the thing is like it was it was pretty intimidating looking, for sure the first time that you go check it out. But it really wasn't a very it didn't require a whole lot of finesse to that thing very smoothly.
0: So it did you um, did you sit there so was this the first time you're racing that and, and you did you when you pre rode it or the first time you pre rode the course were you did you come up to that and say, Oh this is this is easy, I'm just gonna take it or did you take your time looking over it?
2: I mean you look at it and make sure that it's uh, you know built like it was in previous years. I, I didn't race there last year but I raced two years ago in Missoula. Um, so yeah, make sure it's Make sure it's looking good, and then just kind of have yeah, like
0: we were talking about earlier. Nice. So, so um, you know, going back to you, Howard, what is you? Know, you, you both you guys have raced over you know, overseas a lot. Um, you know, what do you think? You know, this this race was Missoula was the first live feed race we've seen in the U.S. So obviously, Red Bull, you know, they put on a lot of these World Cups where you can watch it live. Um, you know, it was really cool for me because I was a, I actually love that race, the Missoula race, but I didn't get a chance to go this year, so. You know, I watched my first live feed, which was really cool because I, you know, normally I'm racing in the race. Do you guys, do you, Howard, think? uh, You know, Stephen, this goes to you too. Feel free to pitch in. Is this, um, you know, the transition that we should be making in the U.S. more? And you know, do you guys have any? What's your feel on that? Um, You know, I'll go. This goes out to both you guys too. So feel free to pitch in.
1: Okay. Um, Well, from my understanding, the way they set up the the streaming for Missoula was was that they had like a local college or something set up all the camera equipment and then all the organizer had to pay for was the live streaming part which didn't amount to a whole lot so it was kind of like a collaboration between the college and the promoter and so I think things like that really um, just help out because it saves the promoter money and it gets it out to a wider audience. Um, so something like that, I think that'd be cool for a lot of organizers to look into because it's probably not feasible always to put out money for all of the equipment and setting up the, the cameras and that kind of stuff. Um, but I definitely know that what, um, several people were tuning in, so I'm sure it was good. Yeah. What?
0: What about the course? I mean, obviously that course was pretty. I guess you say filmable, whatever you want to, however you want to say it. Uh, you know, what about other courses? Is this something that you think should be more widespread? Courses similar to this, with um, you know, challenging uh, and interesting you know, drops such as that AB lines. I know Wisconsin has a similar approach with AB lines. Um, that race is coming up in two weeks, and you know, is that something that uh, you see a lot of over in in uh, overseas uh, in those shorter courses? And I, I, it seems like a lot of those courses are going more towards man-made structures, similar to. Um, you know, similar to kind of well, I guess what Missoula was when they were making it with that drop-off. Uh, you know, what's what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's like definitely a big factor that's driving the World Cups to short courses, really compact and spectator-friendly, um, because they are also easily filmable. And so, if you if you do want to grow mountain biking, like you you have to have that kind of um, yeah, just those close courses that people can watch. Um, like I was looking for any kind of coverage for marathon worlds, and of course, the, I couldn't find anything. You maybe could have found live timing, but the long courses are uh, much harder and not really too feasible to
2: live stream something like that.
0: Yeah, what's your take, yeah. Stephen?
2: Um, I I agree. I think that um, you know, you look at some, you look at a model like road cycling and um, you know, why is there why is it so much more lucrative for a promoter to put on a race and, you know, why are there so much more big corporate sponsors and that kind of, that style of racing is because, you know, these guys get massive amounts of TV time um, right and and so it makes it worth it for a sponsor to invest in the sport um, and the more that we can broadcast these events out to a larger audience um, outside of the people watching along the side of the course The better, I think. Um, And I I, like Howard was saying, it's a little bit harder to film the larger races or or the larger loop races or an event like Enduro or Downhill or something like that. But um, it's definitely a model that I think will hopefully... You know, bring more money into the sport, make better races, higher quality races, um, bigger sponsors, giving more people an opportunity to race. Ultimately, so um, you could say you built the sport.
0: Absolutely. Do you guys? So I guess the next question for racers would be: you know, Do you like these types of courses? Are they? Are they? Are they fun? I mean, obviously, Missoula is just one example over here, but you know, over in, in uh, overseas, I think you see a lot more of these shorter courses with man-made obstacles like this that are easy to film. Um, Obviously, since Red Bull's filming them, it seems pretty similar in terms of their approach. Is this something that you see in need of a more growth in in the U.S.? Or do you feel like there's enough of the courses already? Or what do you think is the the next step over here? And this goes out to either one of you
2: guys. uh, I'll go. Go Um, Personally, I I feel like we do need more of this kind of racing in the U.S., Um, I enjoy it a lot. I think that um I think that there are that people race in the US versus in Europe for not entirely different reasons, but there's a little bit of emphasis that that shifts. Um I think the emphasis over in Europe is racing on yeah, you want to ride on a fun course but you also want to race against people. And you wanna be in that group and you wanna be in that competitive environment, and you wanna be rubbing elbows with people and and sprinting for Sprinting for the single track sections, and I think in the U.S. you get these courses where um, people get yeah, you certainly I think there's more emphasis on on the course and not the level of competition that you have and that competitive environment. It's more like I'm going to go ride this loop as fast as I can, and there's not as much emphasis on being able to race with people, against people, mixing it up, that kind of thing. And I personally, I really like the competitive environment where you're racing in a group like we did last weekend in Windham, or excuse
0: me, in Missoula. Yeah, and I thought, you know, like I said, I this is the first live race I've watched, uh, and it's the only live race there has been in the U.S., and I thought it was, you know, you know I mean, you know, I normally race with you guys, and I thought it was one of the most interesting races I've watched. It was very entertaining to watch you guys battle it off and, and then see the drop-off consistently. I thought the cameras were in good places, and Uh, You know, there's a little bit of time frame there. Um, You know, going back to what Howard mentioned, where you know he had that drop off, and then there's a little bit of a a space there where it's hard to tell where the gap was happening because there was a little bit of a small climb there, uh, and I wasn't sure where it was happening. But it was—I thought it was a great show, and I I hope to see more of this uh, in the future. Uh, Obviously, I think Wisconsin's got a similar similar course in some ways. A little tougher to film something like that because all the tree the trees there. But um, you know, but hopefully. I hope promoters and, and um, you know, you, uh, USA Cycling and other organizations take advantage of this and, uh, you know, see what, learn what they can from it and, and, you know, get film crews out there and start start doing stuff. Um, create, create, I guess you have to be very creative, as you mentioned, such as Missoula did with getting college students out there to film it and lowering costs for the promoter uh, and, and for, I guess, Hammer Nutrition who sponsored it uh, so it would be able to put online. So cool. Uh, any anything else uh, you guys that want to mention about about the race before I move on to the next next topic?
2: You guys good. Um, okay.
0: Let's, yeah, I, let's, think, let's uh, I to, think
2: Jeff put it pretty well that uh, Howard made us feel fat going up that climb in the last couple of laps.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> so well and you know that's going back to howard being 118 pounds where i think you know steven you're you know from your stature, six foot and 145 and i think the average person out there you know, howard's got the uh yeah i don't think i'd ever want to climb against howard and he kind of showed showed everyone up there on that climbing and, and it's really as i mentioned entertaining to watch the the race because you know you three would normally get a small gap on on howard and and then um you know, he gap it back over, and and um, you know, and then the last lap, you, know, you Howard, you made that nice move and kept it really interesting. So, nice job, uh, nice job yeah. to both of you guys. You have know, both been doing really well. Um, you know, let's you know, one thing I didn't mention earlier that I did want to go over real fast was the Windham race. So, you know, Howard, what happened there? Because I heard um, I heard that you had a, a small crash or something. I uh, you was know, anticipating coming off the Pro XCT the weekend before with a win. You have a really good race there, but. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, from race to race, things, lots of things can happen. What, you know, what happened in that race for you?
1: Um, yeah, right away, like we had uh, a group of four of us, um, pretty much the same group, except trade Jeff Kabush with Jeremiah Bishop, and then they had a little gap on the downhill, and then I wasn't climbing quite as well. Um, the course is a little more broken up than Missoula, and then it was just on the second lap on the downhill. Uh, I took like a, a brand new line that I hadn't seen and just sunk my front wheel and then landed really hard on my hip and then I don't know the muscle got really tight and I decided it was better not to push it.
0: Um, but um, yeah. but you're you're good now, right? You're back into training and getting ready for XC nationals then?
1: Yep, yeah. It, it was really like a single day kind of thing. It was just tight and then loosened up.
0: Nice, nice. And what's, uh, you know, talking, just briefly talking about cross-country nationals, what, you know, you're racing U23. What are your expectations there, and have you, uh, what have you heard about the course?
1: Um, well, I've heard it's really rocky. I've heard it's a full suspension course, so I'm going to bring the uh, specialized epic there. Um, so definitely doing a lot of training on that now because you can get used to the hardtail and how light it is. Um, and i i mean i definitely the goal is to win it but um i know carrie werner just had a 20th place finish in valda Sol at that world cup and then definitely wouldn't discount uh russell or keegan um i think they've had kind of a rough start to the season but then they've had these past few weeks to really put in some good training so um i still think that there's a bunch of top guys up there um Personally, I'd, I'd put a shout out to Sepp Kuss, who lives in Durango, and he was at the Val World Cup, and he had 105th starting position and moved up to 25th place, um, and that's a pretty darn impressive feat at a World Cup. So uh, he'd also now be he, another guy to watch out for.
0: Yeah, I had him on the show um, a few months ago. Isn't he a small, small little climber like you too? Is he? Is he? If I remember right, meeting him in person, is that, um, uh, is he about the same height and weight as you?
1: I think, well, he's grown um, in height a bit, but it seems like none of that translated to making him bulkier. So he's just a skinny little pole kind of a kid, but he climbs really well, and he has some crazy good technical skills too. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely
0: someone to watch for. Cool. So he's he's kind of like the black horse sitting there. Uh, I would won't say, have to, so, yeah. Should be a nice little battle to watch. And you guys race on Friday uh, in in um what about three weeks now right is that is that what day you guys race on u twenty three at nationals? Yep.
1: Yeah, Friday at
0: eleven nice. thirty. Cool. So so Stephen, you talked to me a little about you. Know, you obviously had another good uh you a know, good race at Wyndham. You know, talked to me about you know what went on there and, and how you felt and um you know which which bike did you race and you know what was it? It looked like you know, based off some pictures I saw of um, my teammate Mitch Hoke, his bike. It looked pretty muddy. What um you know how did you handle everything?
2: Yeah, so I, uh, definitely chose the wrong bike for that race. Um, off, uh, going up what I'd experienced the past couple of years having the World Cup there, I, I decided to bring my hardtail out, um, it was just a one-race weekend, so, and I was actually traveling uh, all week, um, I was down in Park City, so I was like, I'll just bring the hardtail, the, yeah, there's a couple of little pedally sections in there, but, um, I'd always I've always ridden that bike there and felt pretty good going into it. And uh that course has seemed to me at least like it was a lot a lot bumpier than it was previous years. Um I don't know if it was the rain that had occurred or the fact that it wasn't a World Cup and they had not needed to do quite as much maintenance on the course. Um, so kind of went out well with uh with Todd and J B. Um I think, I guess Howard crashed on that first, first or second lap. I don't remember exactly yeah, which one, lap. but yeah. So I went down as well on the second lap, um, on the descent, JB, JB and Todd and I were kind of, um, doing some ninja moves through the trees. And I uh, <laughs> was about to just rally into JB's rear wheel. Um, cause he took a different line than I did through a section. And, um, it was either go over a rock or into his wheel. So I tried to go over this rock, and I didn't quite make – didn't quite get the front wheel over there, over it like I wanted to, and uh, ended up slamming pretty hard. Lost about – I was able to get up and, and get rolling pretty quickly, but lost about 15 seconds to those guys on the, uh, on that lap. So I got into lap three. Um, my knee was hurting pretty badly, and um, I also whacked my front derailleur so I wasn't shifting up front very well, and um, on that court, there's a couple of deep pitches in that climb, and you can't really big ring them very well. So, I was riding the suffer bus after that, um, and those guys just kind of extended their gap, you know, 10 seconds a lap or something like that for the next couple laps, and then um, Derek Sanser ended up motoring, motoring up to me, uh, and There was no way that I was going to hang on to him. He was riding pretty well. Um, And I think I just kind of, you know, after crashing and then having a little bit of a mechanical, you can never really get that rhythm back like you want, or it's pretty hard at least. Uh, So I just, yeah, kind of had to bring it in at that point. Um, And the Canadian end was, who I actually thought was Howard. Uh, Oh. Specialized. Canada rider, I, I, I'd team on some switchbacks going up up the climb, and I was like, I just got to, like, my chin's on the handlebar, but uh, I was just trying to stay in front of those guys the last lap and a half or so.
1: Did we lose Drew or someone?
2: I don't know. Huh. There. Can you hear me now?
0: Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. For some reason my uh my speaker went off for a second. Sorry about that. So what you Stephen, what place did you end up finishing there again in Wyndham?
2: Uh I was fourth. So nice. not what I was hoping Good. for. I've had a second and third in Missoula and uh was definitely hoping to take that up to first but uh instead I took one step down the podium instead of one step up.
0: Well, now you've got, uh, now you know, you're now at Sun Valley getting ready for Marathon Nat. so you've got that race, and then are you headed to Wisconsin after that, and then Cross Country Nationals, is that the plan, or, or are you skipping Wisconsin?
2: Yeah, I'll do all three, um, do Marathon Nationals, and then my girlfriend actually grew up out in Wisconsin, so we're going to go out there um, Monday. I fly out to Wisconsin and hang out up there for the week, try to get used to that muggy heat that we'll probably experience in Pennsylvania a little bit. Um didn't spend a lot of time up at altitude and in dry not as hot weather, so uh, try to acclimatize that a little bit before we go to nationals.
0: Nice. What you know, what bike are you racing at, at these races coming up? You know, you've got like I said, three races, Marathon, Wisconsin and and X C Nats. Um you know, Howard mentioned and I I think I've heard the same thing too about the cross country Nats being definitely a full suspension course but what um you know what, what are your plans for bikes coming up
2: i mean it, it really depends on the course i haven't obviously i haven't raced um in wisconsin or i haven't raced in pennsylvania before so that one will um kind of be dependent on on the track um and you know it's i'm a pretty big fan of racing on my hardtail um if there's pedally sections that are rocky, then it becomes more of a full suspension course. But if it's just like a technical descent that's rocky, then I'm all for riding a hardtail because you can get up those climbs a little bit faster. Um, but Wisconsin, haven't raced that in a couple of years. I know in 2011, I was on a hard tail there and ended up fourth or fifth. Um, so Hadn't experienced there racing on a hardtail. Good luck there, and uh, so that one we'll just kind of play play with. I'll have both bikes out there for that, and then marathon nationals I'll ride the full suspension uh, just because it's such a long race. That you know I tried to tried to race marathon nationals on a hardtail last year, and uh, was riding up in the top, or riding in the lead group until after about two hours when those guys just had a little bit more gas than I did on um a, kind of a technical climb um you just save that much more energy in a long race like that riding this whole suspension bike cool cool
0: so well, good well you know good good luck this this weekend coming in Sun Valley and then obviously I'll see you at Wisconsin and and um you actually asked before that but okay good well let's let's move into um yeah you know, I want to talk a little bit about training a little bit you know both of you guys have been you know you both of you guys are in big teams uh you, know, you jumped up from you know being on not big teams all of a sudden getting on these you know bmc for you steven and and obviously for howard you're on specialized you know you know let's let's start with you howard what you know what was the big have you seen have you done a lot of changes since you in, in terms of training since you got on the team Are you you obviously i'm sure you talk with some of the guys on the team um and probably you know, have a see 'em at the races, I'm guessing. And you know, have, have you changed anything and you know, what what led to such a good result at, at Missoula too? Anything specific that you're willing to share in terms of you know, training, getting ready for a race like Missoula that just you know, shots you your fitness, you know, skyward to where you you've just had a great race.
1: Um, yeah, well actually none of that's a secret at all. I use Strava uh, <laughs> a lot and so it's kind of fun that actually anyone could go on there and see exactly what I did. And, you know, I think that's a super cool aspect of the site is that, you know, it isn't really a secret anymore. It's just finding out what works for each individual. Um, but I've been with the coach, my same coach for two years now, Ben Ollett, And um, I think this year we've maybe done a little more volume. I uh, I find that works out a little better rather than doing, like, short rides with really structured intervals. Um, so, I don't know, leading up to Missoula, I had a bunch of races and then kind of a week to just do some good training and so I put in like, I don't know, like a 22-hour week with just lots of big long fun rides and um, then rested up before Missoula. Um, I guess the other thing that we've been doing too is uh trying to keep pretty consistent runs um, I started running pretty early this year because I had a shoulder injury um, They kept me off the bike and so we've done at least an hour of running each week um, we've done some running sprints too so it's always fun to kind of do something new um, but I think it must have helped or at least didn't hurt too much uh, so yeah again it's all on Strava if anyone was super curious
0: <laughs> cool what is you know she, she mentioned um you know more volume what is for a guy like yourself you mentioned a 22 hour week you know it sounded like a few weeks before Missoula what is a big big um you know big volume for you I mean obviously that's very varies a lot for different people
1: um yeah I think that was probably like four big rides and those are four to five hour rides um I don't know I kind of there's just like an endurance pace that you just kind of have to feel around with and then once you have that pace down, at least for me, I just um, it's really easy to just grind out for however long. Um, I like taking the climbs a little faster, of course. Just kind of, you know, a little higher tempo than maybe um, you could sustain for that long, but uh, it's always nice to end up at the end of a ride nice and hungry and just hang out, eat some cookies, and and fall asleep.
0: So, so cookies are your recovery recovery food.
1: Yeah, basic cookies and milk. I think that's um, the key.
0: <laughs> cookies and milk. All right, cool. So, so Stephen, what uh, what about you? What is you? Know, you've obviously had a lot of success these last few years. Anything specific you want to share with everyone in terms of training that that you found is worked for you and you know, are you as open as Howard is in terms of Strava, wh- where people can just glance over all your files?
2: Um, I mean, people can look at my files. They're, I I don't use Strava. I don't use a GPS um, training, so I'm not really linked into that. Um, I'm not quite as tech savvy as Howard is, I guess. But um, I think using power meters has been a big thing for me the past couple of years. Um, that's helped a lot. But What I've learned more than anything um, the past couple of years of racing over in Europe is that you got to get the work done, but also, like, you got to sweat big things and not worry about the little things um, during your training. So um, lots of people are super neurotic about their training. They have to get intervals exactly right at this power or this heart rate, effort level, or something like that. And, you know, when you get done with the ride, you have to have such-and-such such within 15 minutes of training or something. And I definitely used to be that kind of person a little bit. Um, and I think one of my biggest things has been letting go of the little things in training and focusing on what's most important. And that's, like, getting the work done and then getting the recovery done afterwards. And um recovery, recovery, recovery. So... And then, yeah, cookies and cookies and milk are not too bad. I'm personally a chocolate <laughs> milk kind of guy. But, uh, so, yeah. so you,
0: so you so, mentioned you mentioned that, you mentioned the importance of recovery. What's um you know what's your recovery routine typically? Um, You're know, coming into a race or just in, in general?
2: Um, I mean, it kind of depends on the priority of the race. Um, like Missoula, I was training pretty hard up until midweek uh, going into Missoula um, obviously that was an important race for me because it was near my home I live in Bozeman so you know that was important but it's not nearly as important as like these next couple of races going into national championships and then you know we don't really have much time off before we've got uh, um, potentially the World Cup in Andorra and the World Cup in Los Angeles as well and then it's world championships. So, um, for me, I chose to train a little bit later, and I've kind of continued some of that the past couple of weeks. Um, but now it's kind of time to start tapering for a week or so, and then I actually like to pick it up a little bit the week of a big race after resting really well, because otherwise I just feel pretty sleepy. Nice, nice.
0: Well, what, uh, now, um, Howard, what if so? Other than cookies and milk, what's your re- recovery routine?
2: <laughs> um,
0: I like the co- I like the cookies and milk. It sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah, um, I, I really think I don't know. Having yeah some kind of protein after a ride is probably a good thing. I don't know. At least I heard of it. Um, I don't know. I definitely I don't know. Just do easy walks on like recovery days, and I take I don't know two or three um, pretty easy days a week. So all of the other days are really quality and then kind of similar to Steven I found that if I go into a week like too rested, um, just feel kind of sluggish out there, so I also like to, you know, kind of keep the blood flowing during the week. Um if I wanna be riding punchy and uh
0: well on the, the race day. Nice. Any any specific workout you, you you know you say Howard you you know you enjoy the most? You mentioned long workouts are a lot of fun. Is there anything else you specifically do? Uh, yeah, especially on Durango. I know there's a lot of really fun riding out there. Any um, any specific rides you say are definitely on a to do list?
1: Um, oh, rides. I don't know. Well, tomorrow actually on the Fourth of July, people always do the Kennebec Pass um, loop, and that goes up this really long, rocky pass up to like 12,000 plus feet, and then descends on pretty fun single track on the Colorado Trail all the way to town. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that tomorrow, because it's just congested for Durango. Um, But that's that's a pretty classic ride to do. And, yeah, I don't know. As far as workouts, just for the long rides, I really do like to go out and kind of treat the climbs as a little, little more serious and just get in a nice good zone for them and then you go into the descents almost like you would be in a cross-country race, you
0: know, a little more blown out. Nice. So, so Howard, I've got something that I got r- wrote down and I've always I've been meaning to ask you is, you know, I think it was in 2009 when you won the Iron Horse. Is that right? Or was it 2010? What year was uh, that? It was one of your earlier years.
1: Yeah, I think in 2011 I won the Iron Horse mountain bike race. Yeah, I didn't I've never okay. won the the road race.
0: Oh, you um, didn't. Just, okay, goal. I must have heard a rumor. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> was there was there a rumor too that you got offered a, offered a team or offered a a spot on a road team or is that just something is that a rumor that I heard?
1: Um, no, that's that's true. Um, I don't know where you heard it, but yeah, uh, it was I think the Garmin program. Um and i don't know it was just kind of i did the this dominican republic uh road race with usa cycling that was last year as well um and that completely turned me off of road biking it's just i don't know it's so much more like serious and aggressive compared to mountain biking (laughs) um and so i just i can't really do that um style of racing for now like I did collegiate road nationals this year um and I won that race but it just it feels so much different than the real um road
0: racing scene I feel like nice so Stephen have you ever had uh the urge to go to the road or is it pretty much road, pretty much mountain bike
2: 100% um yeah I've never really pursued that um transition um I some of the guys did when I was doing some stuff with the national team like Tad Elliott um, another Durango guy did some and Ethan Gilmore and some folks did some road racing over in Belgium and uh, they all kind of got super sick tired blown out and just hated life over there doing that kind of thing um so it's never really that was kind of like my only real experience with that over there um, that being said I do some red racing for training and I like it, it's fun, it's racing um, so I don't know that I have quite as strong an aversion to it as Howard does but uh, I that, that opportunity hasn't really presented itself and I haven't really pursued it pretty, pretty content racing the mountain bike at least for the moment
0: Nice, nice. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll get, um, you know, more of these, as we were talking about earlier, more of these races, you know, fed live and, and you'll know, get more money in the sport and, uh, you know, and have more fun. I I personally love that Missoula course. I think it's awesome. And like I said, I was really bummed. I missed it, but just had a lot going on around it. Um, so I wasn't able to make it. But, you know, I, I'm hoping that that's the, uh, you know, that's the future of the cross country racing scene. Um, you know, I guess time will tell. And, you know, hopefully with feedback from pro writers such as yourself and uh, you know, both you guys and, and then also other people uh, along with you know, obviously what um, you know what sponsors push uh, and what what the promoters push will really I guess lead to whatever happens um, so so that's uh you know that's gonna end the show for us is there anything else you guys have that you want to mention before we before we go uh, you know feel free to give shout outs if, if you want to anyone or or um, you know if, if that's it then we'll just we'll end the show and uh, I appreciate both you guys coming on. Is anything else you guys want to mention? Uh, no, the hour went by really quickly. <laughs> yeah, that
2: was, that
0: was good. Uh, well, thanks, I appreciate thanks it. for bringing us on. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys coming on. If you ever want to come on again, and get a hold of me. Um, you know, once again, this is Howard Gratz and uh, Stephen Edinger. You know, thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, I appreciate it, and appreciate you sharing your thoughts with everyone and being you know open minded about this. So. Other than that, good luck, Stephen. This next this weekend, um, and then Howard and Stephen. I'll both see. I'll see both you guys up at um, Las in, in two weeks, and then obviously uh, cross country nationals the weekend after that. So, safe travels, and see you guys there. And, and thanks again. Have a safe Fourth of July, uh, and thanks for listening in.